The accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba presents a 25th Silver Anniversary College Football Hall of Fame season of Fighting Irish Preview. And now, here's your host, Phil Houck. The story goes that back in 1926, the Notre Dame USC series started as a result of both schools' desire to add to their schedules a national opponent. And... Mrs. Newt Rockney's desire to enjoy some sunny Southern California weather every two years. The idea was actually hatched during a discussion Bonnie Rockney had with the wife of the USC athletic director during a late season visit to not-so-sunny Nebraska the season prior. And the rest is history. The game has been played continuously since with just two exceptions. Last season's game was a COVID casualty, and World War II stopped the series from 1943 to 45. In 1927, a record 120,000 fans showed up at Chicago Soldier Field to watch the Irish defeat the Trojans 7-6. From 1929 to 1932, the two powerhouse teams combined for four straight national titles. During the 1960s, John Hewitt, Mike Garrett, and OJ all won the Heisman Trophy, and the national championship was won or denied by the game's outcome five times. In 1972, Anthony Davis ran wild for six touchdowns, and then in 1973 on the game's first play, freshman Luther Bradley knocked Lynn Swan's helmet off, and later Eric Pennick went 85 yards to pay dirt. In 1977, the Irish stormed the field with a Trojan horse and wearing green jerseys for the first time since the 50s and scored a victory on their way to the national title. In 1986, the era of Lou had begun and Notre Dame came from behind to win on John Carney's last second field goal. That happened November 29, 1986, a game date I will never forget because it happens to have been the day I got married. In 1988, it was number one versus number two in the Coliseum, and Lou Holtz sent Ricky Waters and Tony Brooks home, but Tony Rice, the Rocket, and the Three Amigos led the Irish to a big win. In 1989, a brawl between the teams broke out in the tunnel before the game, and in 2005, helped by a Bush push, USC came from behind, and Charlie Weiss had his signature loss. Lou Holtz never lost to the Trojans. Ty Willingham and Charlie Weiss never beat the Trojans. And Brian Kelly has won 7 out of 10 USC matchups, including the last three. NDUSC games account for five of the 10 most watched college football games in television history. And Notre Dame and USC have combined for more national titles, Heisman Trophy winners, All-Americans, college and NFL Hall of Famers, and players taken in the NFL draft of any collegiate football rivalry series ever. And this week, all that history will add another chapter as one of the greatest of all college football rivalries is back. Now, stay tuned for Fighting Irish Insight from America's foremost authority on Notre Dame football, Tim Priester, senior editor of irishillustrated.com. After these words from Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, Shir McCulloch Auctioneers, and Flight by Yingling. Raise the bar with only 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories. This is Fighting Irish Preview. 
The University of Notre Dame exemplifies dedication to hard work, integrity, and personal values, which result in success in the classroom and on the football field. The professionals at Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like Notre Dame, know the same dedication, and their experience and expertise provide peace of mind for you and your business. Tax planning, tax compliance, auditing, business valuation, and estate planning, the full-service accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like the Irish, has what it takes to help you achieve success. Located in Fort Wayne near Jefferson Point, Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba proudly supports Notre Dame football and congratulates all those who are a part of the greatest tradition in all of sports. Go Irish! This is Art Salzburg. I don't speak for a lot of companies, but Sharon McCulloch is a firm that provides a great and much-needed service. As Sharon and I get older, we've been thinking of moving, but frankly, the thought is somewhat overwhelming. That's where Sharon McCulloch comes in with a full-service plan that takes the pressure off. Listen to this. Sharon McCulloch will sell your house, auction the items you don't want to take, then pack everything else and move you. In sports terms, that's a blowout win. Sure McCulloch uses an international auction platform to make sure your possessions are seen by the right buyers. They'll get top dollar for your special treasures. Sure McCulloch is highly recommended by leading retirement communities and law firms, plus they're AAA with the Better Business Bureau. Call them at 441-8636. That's 441-8636. They'll make your moving experience easy and profitable. Sure McCulloch. Introducing Flight by Yingling, the next generation of light beer. For those who don't follow trends, but craft them. Flight by Yingling is 12 ounces of uncompromised refreshment from America's oldest brewery. With only 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories, this is premium refreshment, six generations in the making. Don't just raise a glass, raise the bar. Flight by Yingling, now available wherever beer is sold. DG Yingling and Sun Incorporated, Pottsville, Pennsylvania. Please enjoy responsibly. This is Art Salzburg. Congratulations, Phil and Tim, on 25 years of Fighting Irish Preview. Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Halk. Well, Tim Priester, USC Week, and you and I go back a, a few years with this series. Uh, we both grew up in South Bend. We all, USC games were, have been iconic our whole lives. Uh, let's talk about our earliest memories of that game as kids, and I'll go first. Uh, Tim, I was really young, but I do re- remember – I was really young at this time. I do remember my dad complaining about how the refs stole the game from Notre Dame in 1964 uh, on that phantom holding call. Uh, and, of course, that denied era a national championship in his first season. So – Okay, and I would have been three years old at the time. <laughs> so that's a long time. What's your earliest memory? Yeah, I would have been four, and I don't remember that one. But I but I do know, I, I mean, I distinctly remember Notre Dame, Michigan State, 10-10 tie, where I was, who I was with. Notre Dame played Southern Cal the next game and beat them 51 to nothing. I'm not sure I remember that. But I do know that I was in the northeast corner of Notre Dame Stadium in 1967 when O.J. Simpson rushed for two touchdowns and beat Notre Dame 24 to seven. And then after that, of course, I, I, I remember, definitely remember, um, you know, everything else after that, but uh, yeah, it, you know, it's a great series. It, it's something that we were talking about. There's a lot of animosity between Notre Dame and Michigan and how that series has evolved. I'm not sure that 
the majority feel that way about Notre Dame USC. I mean, I, I personally, I've always respected them. They, they scared me when I was a kid, when they came out of the tunnel at the Coliseum. But um, yeah, and I don't know that I'm sure not every Notre Dame fan feels that way about USC, but I think there's a, a, an ample amount of respect between Notre Dame and USC. And that's what, that's part of what makes a great rivalry. It can be a little bit more contentious, uh, as well, but that it's uh, you know, there's there's been some scuffles between Northern and Southern Cal. Indeed, and indeed, and I I think it was a more contentious rivalry until Lou Holtz uh, went eleven and zero. He won eleven straight against him, and uh, I think that just kind of took some of the the wind out of the thing. Of course, then Charlie Wise, Ty Willingham couldn't beat him, but Brian Kelly's done pretty well against him. Uh, you mentioned Michigan, and I think geography has something to do with that one. But a great, great rivalry. Uh, I also have a, an unusual favorite memory of the series. Tim, you and I have talked about this before. 1971, when and it's a loss. And, of course, 71, uh, Joe Theismann goes out to the Coliseum. Notre Dame's ranked uh, bound for glory. They were undefeated. And, and uh, he threw for 526 yards, set an all-time school record. Uh, that still stands today. It was raining that night, and Notre Dame lost by uh, a couple of scores. 38-28. 10 points. I thought it was yeah. 10 points. And I was 10 years old at the time, and I always remember that game the most because that is the year that I, I would say I absolutely fell in love with Notre Dame football forever and ever and ever. And I always look back to that year. I always consider Joe Theismann to be my favorite player. But yeah, lots of lots of great memories from Notre Dame USC, and both Notre Dame and USC this week. Tim coming off bye weeks, and I want to talk about bye weeks a little bit. An overused cliche, of course, is it's always a good time to have a bye week. Right now, USC is the fourth straight Notre Dame opponent to be coming off a bye week, and there's going to be two more this season. And about the same thing happened last year. It may have been identical. Maybe there were five that were coming off of buys that Notre Dame had. to. So the, the upshot of this is that these teams have two weeks to prepare for Notre Dame. How much of an advantage do you think that is to opponents? And is, is this kind of the price Notre Dame has to pay for not being in a conference, the way teams are able to schedule these things, and, and, and really for being really good? Yeah, your last point about – not being in a conference, uh, you know, that that's part of independence that comes with independence. And certainly opponents want that extra week before playing Notre Dame. It, it's always beneficial in terms of getting guys healthy. I thought Brian Kelly said something um, pretty interesting this week that, you know, when you play a team that's coming off of a bye, a lot of times they make some significant changes in the way they approach things, whether it's offensively, or defensively. And so he feels like a lot of their first quarters here in recent weeks have been adapting to, um, you know, defenses that are doing something different than what they had showed on tape. Now, nobody, nobody cares about that. Nobody wants to hear the quote excuse or the reason, but you know, yes, it is overplayed to say that, that, uh, you know, it's a good week to have a buy, but, it, but when you have it, it's the most physical game that we know of in this country. And, and it helps players mentally, physically, emotionally, um, to, you know, to come back and to, to rebound. And then, you know, there are some game planning issues that two weeks of preparation provides for an opponent. Yeah. I heard those comments from, from Brian Kelly as well about, uh, the adjustments that they seem to have to make, uh, much more, uh, 
deeply and commonly <laughs> coming off of those bye weeks. And no doubt uh, the two weeks is plenty of time to make some pretty significant changes to your game plans. And so expect anything from USC uh, in the first quarter. Uh, Tim, a bit of a midterm report card on the Irish since we are at midseason. Let's cover the whole team quick hit style. A few words and then a, just a trending up, trending down, or neutral. Uh, let's start with the receivers. You know, I, I would I would say that, um, you know, they only have five scholarship receivers in the rotation going into this game. I mean, I, I, I you know, Kevin Austin has emerged at times, Avery Davis certainly, but I would – you know, as a whole, it, it uh, I would say trending down a little bit just because of the inconsistency. Well, I like what Kevin Austin's doing. I think he could be a big star in the second half. But yeah, only five guys out there. Uh, that's a concern. Let's talk about the offensive line, though. And I think I know where you might go with that one. And this is all relative to how bad they were early in the season. Yeah, I mean, trending up. Uh, you know, it was a good performance against Virginia Tech to rush for 180 yards. Seemed like... Uh, you know, it would have been that would have been 280 yards last year. Uh, so trending up, uh, new guys on the left side of the offensive line with Andrew Kristoffic and Joe Alt, looking better. They got to string some games together, though. Yeah, that'd be great. In uh, the quarterback situation, which has been that in the offensive line, have been the two biggest topics of the year. Uh, do you think we've got some stability there now? I, I can't imagine we do. <laughs> yeah, about stability, but they, they, trending up based upon the way the Virginia Tech game ended, based upon Tyler Buckner, who who eventually struggled, but Tyler Buckner did some good things and actually showed that he could uh, he could throw the football with some success. So I would, with caution, I would say trending up. Well, maybe we have a system put together now. And let's talk about the running backs, the running game. Kyron Williams, and this goes hand-in-hand, hand, of course, with the improved performance by the offensive line. But trending down in terms of Chris Tyree, still a little bit banged up. I think most of us expected to hear that the turf toe uh, had healed or had progressed and they, were, and they were ready to go. So trending down for, for Chris Tyree or the experienced backs. But Logan Diggs, a true freshman, played well against Virginia Tech. And Kyron Williams, uh, outstanding. He's a great player. Defensive line, including issues relating to pass rush and all the good things that come with uh, our defensive line. How's how are we looking there? Yeah, I would say trending up. You know, I mean they've they've provided a good pass rush, uh, which which creates turnovers on the back end generally, and the depth is still there. They've survived a couple injuries. I think it's trending up. It's really uh, one of the strengths, if not the strength of, of this football team. It expected to be a strength and they do seem to have gotten better really almost every week. That's a good thing. Linebackers. How are we doing at the linebacker position? Basically three guys, maybe four guys, I guess, if you include prior with, with Kaiser at, at the, the Sam linebacker or the Rover linebacker position, a lot of snaps being taken by by Drew White and J.D. Bertrand, but it's been solid group. You know, I mean, I, I I would I would say trending up because they're good football players. They they diagnose extremely well, um, and I, I think that they've they've had a, a real solid season through six games. They have had a solid season, no doubt. But I, I get a little concerned about all the snaps they've taken and and the toll that Agreed. could take. 
yeah. cornerbacks and safeties. Uh, you got an All American in this group that certainly helps, and and a couple of guys uh, at the corners who have played pretty well. Yeah, I think Cam Hart's definitely trending up for a guy that's inexperienced as a cornerback. We know you mentioned Kyle Hamilton, a great player. I don't think that Houston Griffith or DJ Brown has hurt Notre Dame at the other safety position, which isn't exactly a ringing endorsement, but it's it's really progress based upon where they were with their careers. And Clarence Lewis is hit and miss at times at cornerback, but and, and, as is Tariq Bracey, but that's a position that's, that's meant to be hit and miss. So I, I think overall, not all six games, but I'd say overall, the secondary is trending up. Yeah, especially with the emergence of Cam Hart. We really like what he's been doing. All right, and one last one, Tim. Special teams and focus on uh, the kicking game and the punting game. Yeah, it's been good. I mean, that was the highest mid midterm grade that we gave for Notre Dame with special teams. Uh, Chris Tyree had the long run. Kyron Williams has given them a little bit of a little long run on the kick return. Kyron Williams gives them a little bit of a punt return. And the kickers, I mean, the specialists. Jonathan Doerr, um, he misses some that you wonder why he misses, but he hits the one that he need, the ones that he needs to. And Jay Bramlett just keeps getting better and better every year. So I, you know, I think Nordic special teams have been really, really good this year. Yeah, I, I, I came across something about Bramlett that I'm sure you'll remember from when he was recruited, and that at that time, uh, going back four years ago now, I guess he was considered the number one punting prospect in the country. And, uh, he's certainly has proven that now. Okay. Let's, let's move on to, uh, some, uh, personnel development this week. Quarterback, uh, Brendan Clark, uh, who had off season knee surgery entered the transfer portal. It, to me, it's always unusual when they do it in the middle of the season. So I never quite know what that means. Uh, I had high hopes for Clark. I liked his size. He was a little bit of a dual threat. I thought he was going to be a factor's perhaps as early as next year after coming off that injury. How do you feel about this? Any surprise there? And how does it affect that quarterback room? You know, you, you have to recruit. You can never stop recruiting quarterbacks. In, in in this era where guys enter the transfer portal all the time, especially at the quarter, quarterback position, you just have to keep recruiting it. I, I think anytime a player leaves in the middle of the year, I, I really don't understand that, but I guess – his heart isn't into it and he's coming off injury and, and he, he knows that he's not going to get playing time this year. So you just have to keep recruiting. Steve Angeli comes in next year. Um, Nordim's getting a visit from Walker Howard, a five-star quarterback commitment to LSU. I don't know how that will go. And Nordim's recruiting Dante Moore from the class of 2023 out of Detroit that I really like. So you just have to keep recruiting, but with the loss of Clark, you really need to look at adding a second quarterback in this class that will have Steve Angeli in it. Yeah, they absolutely need to get somebody else in that room. And uh, and it is a huge recruiting weekend, the USC game article by irishillustrated.com recruiting expert Tom Loy I read uh, this week. 76 prospects will be on the Notre Dame campus for uh, prospects from the class of 22, 23, and 24 and uh, so it's it's a big game. It would be nice to have a nice big victory over USC to impress those young men, but it's going to go a long way no matter what towards uh, the future of Notre Dame as to how the recruiting goes this week. Tim, the Irish reached a highest seven in the coaches' poll after defeating Wisconsin, but then dropped to 13th after a competitive loss to the now number two-ranked Cincinnati 
so they now stand at 13th. Tim, there's six teams ahead of Notre Dame that have, I think you know where I'm going with this, that have losses. Uh, none of them were at the hands of the number two team in the country. And last week, Iowa was pounded by Purdue, a team Notre Dame beat by two touchdowns. Does this sound kind of fishy to you? I mean, I what I do understand about polling is I don't really understand polling. It doesn't ever really make a lot of sense. But what are your thoughts? Well, that was kind of my first reaction, Phil. But, you know, Iowa beat, at the time, number 17, Indiana. They beat number nine, Iowa State. They beat Penn State. Uh, you know, and then they had a clunker against Purdue. So I think we have to look at all of the evidence and I can understand why they're ahead of Notre Dame. Notre Dame just doesn't have a marquee win. Uh, they had an opportunity against Cincinnati and didn't come through with it. Of course, if you know, if, if they had beaten Cincinnati, then a lot of critics would say, well, Cincinnati is not that good. And Cincinnati is very good, but you know, Oregon's has a loss ahead of Notre Dame, uh, and they're ahead of Notre Dame, but they beat Ohio state, um, you know, Mississippi has done some some good things. So I just, you know, what's hurting Notre Dame right now is just a lack of a marquee win. And as you look ahead of the schedule right now, the remaining six opponents are unranked. So I'm not sure how much they're going to be able to, you know, attrition will move. Them. If they win, they'll end up solidly within the top 10. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Uh, is that good enough for a playoff spot? I don't think Notre Dame looks like a playoff team, even if they go 11 and 1. Um and when you consider the competition they'll play in the second half of the season. But just win, take care of business. Uh, if it means a New Year's Six Bowl, that I think that would that would be fine. But you you, know, you can't do much about the polls. You just got to keep going out there and trying to put up impressive performances. That's a fact. And when the committee gets together, they'll look at all these factors, I think, a little bit more closely. And I think that starts next week. And uh, that may work to Notre Dame's benefit. Thanks, Tim. Coming up, it's the all-time Irish hero, key to an Irish victory, injury report, and the world-famous Irish Illustrated prediction. And during the break, it's the Fighting Irish Fact of the Week, brought to you by Ron Wise and the Wise Insurance Agency. This is the 362nd edition of Fighting Irish Preview. Introducing Flight by Yingling, the next generation of light beer. For those who don't follow trends, but craft them. Flight by Yingling is 12 ounces of uncompromised refreshment from America's oldest brewery. With only 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories, this is premium refreshment, six generations in the making. Don't just raise a glass, raise the bar. Flight by Yingling, now available wherever beer is sold. DG Yingling and Sun Incorporated, Pottsville, Pennsylvania. Please enjoy responsibly. The Fighting Irish Fact of the Week is brought to you by our friends at the Wise Insurance Agency. Defensive lineman Kurt Heinisch has now played in 54 career games, which sets the all-time program record. Last week, he broke the program record that had been jointly held by Dalen Hayes, Drew Tranquil, Romeo Aquara, and Matthias Farley. Call Ron Wise at the Wise Insurance Agency or go to thewiseinsuranceagency.com and get an auto or home quote in less than five minutes. Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Houck. This is Fighting Irish Preview. USC is in town this week. TV coverage on NBC is at 7.30 p.m. South Bend time. And it's now time for the all-time Irish hero, brought to you by the Marina at Lake Gage. Chris Craft, Master Craft, and Premier Pontoons, we share your boating passion. And this year, in honor of 25 years on the air, we are focusing on the great running backs of the Fighting Irish preview years, the last quarter century. 
so far this season. We've honored Autry Denson, Julius Jones, Ryan Grant, Darius Walker, Armando Allen, and Theo Riddick. And this week we honor Cam McDaniel. Cam McDaniel worked his way up from being a lightly regarded three-star recruit to a reliable three yards and a cloud of dust runner, then to being the team's leading rusher, team captain, and an internet sensation when a photo snap of him in action at exactly the right time went viral. A member of Brian Kelly's first recruiting class, McDaniel was recruited out of Coppell, Texas in 2010. That season at Coppell High School, McDaniel rushed for over 1,900 yards, had 492 yards receiving, and totaled 37 touchdowns. He worked his way onto special teams as a freshman and then broke into the depth chart in 2012 as a sophomore. Against Miami that year in the Shamrock Series game in Soldier Field, he carried the ball on nine straight plays, an all-time school record. During that sequence, he accounted for 75 yards, and a touchdown on a 93-yard drive. As a junior in 2013, he led the Irish in rushing with 705 yards and played in all 13 games. It was during this season that a photo was snapped of him carrying the football in a win against USC just moments after his helmet had been knocked off. In the photo, McDaniel seemingly is staring into the camera with a calm look and nonchalant smile on his face framed with slightly tousled hair. Meanwhile, typical football field mayhem was occurring all around him. This photo with the caption, ridiculously photogenic football player, became an internet meme sensation. Within hours, McDaniel was in demand for media organizations all over and eventually was featured in an interview on the Today Show. In his senior year, McDaniel was elected as team captain. With the emergence of Tarion Folston, Greg Bryant, and quarterback Everett Golson as a runner, McDaniel's opportunities to carry the ball himself shrunk, but he still managed 278 yards on the ground and four touchdowns for the season. After college, McDaniel had a two-year career in the Canadian Football League. In 2017, he was a member of the Toronto Argonauts team that won the Grey Cup League Championship. Tim Cam McDaniel showed dogged determination on the football field and served his teammates well as a captain. And the sensation created by that photograph guarantees he will be remembered for more than just his performances on the gridiron. We all remember the uh, the commercials for the most interesting man in the world. Well, Cam McDaniel made a run for the, the most handsome man in the world with that photo. I mean, rarely do you see a football player lose his helmet, let alone have the look on his face like, all is calm amidst the storm here. But, you know, I, I gave Cam McDaniel a lot of credit. Uh, in reality, at a place like Notre Dame, he should be a number two or probably a number three running back. But he was the best one that they had late in his career. And he did a, you know, he did a fine job. He had an unfortunate fumble in a home loss late in his career. But uh, he did a nice job. He was uh, more than serviceable at times. And you talk about carrying the ball nine straight times. He was somebody that Nordin could count on. Yeah, absolutely. McDaniel is currently the CEO and co-founder of a company called Atom Technologies. The company specializes in producing electro-stimulation devices that aid in the healing process. Cam McDaniel, another Marina at Lake Gage all-time Irish hero. The Marina at Lake Gage, we love boats. And it's now time for the Aspen Mortgage Key to an Irish Victory. Like the Irish, the 3-3 and Trojans were idle last week. In their last action, they lost at home to Utah 42-26. to 
They own wins over San Jose State, at Washington State, and at Colorado. Besides Utah, they have lost to Stanford by 14 and Oregon State by 18. After the loss to Stanford, six-year head coach Clay Helton was fired. Dante Williams, who was serving as the defensive backs coach, is now serving as the interim head coach. Williams becomes the fifth USC head coach Brian Kelly will have faced since coming to South Bend. The last time the Irish and the Trojans played was in 2019 when the Irish held on to win at home 30-27. to Junior Keaton Slovis is a 64% passer with nine TDs and five interceptions on the season. Their biggest weapon is six foot five junior Drake London, who is having a monster year with 64 catches, 832 yards, and five touchdowns. I can't emphasize how impressive London has been. And he has a tremendous catch radius and is a highly skilled route runner. Senior Keontae Ingram is the top runner with 419 yards and three touchdowns. The offensive line this season returned four of five starters from a year ago. USC boasts a talented, albeit underperforming, front seven on defense. Junior linebacker Drake Jackson may be the best of them. He leads the team with three sacks. But they are underperforming because they give up 27.3 points per game and 382 yards of offense per game. They are 100th in the nation in sacking the quarterback and 113th in making tackles for loss. Also of note, the Trojans have turned over the football 11 times already, and they are 126th in accumulating penalty yards. Better offensively than defensively, Tim. This team has plenty of talented players, and you never know how they might respond after a bye week. But when analyzing them, the word inconsistency keeps coming into mind. And the fact that in all likelihood, all or most of the coaching staff will be looking for a job after the season kind of adds to the whole dysfunction of the picture. This one, it would seem to me, is maybe all about not letting Slovis to London combo beat you because the Irish, to me, look better at almost every other facet of this one. Tim Priester, what is the Aspen Mortgage key to an Irish victory? They have a lot going for them offensively. I don't really know exactly how you stop Drake London. He's averaging 10.7 catches per game. He has 10 less catches than Deontay Ingram has rushing attempts. That's amazing. But, you know, the key for Notre Dame, I think, is Tommy Reese needs to open up the playbook against this defense. It's a very vulnerable defense. It's it, it, it will it will bite on misdirections. It, 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 they they don't believe in contain. You can do a lot of things with misdirections. Uh, for example, uh, Braden Lindsay his fifty plus yard run two years ago against USC. I I think the playbook is wide open for Tommy Reese both in the passing game and the running game. Okay, well, take advantage of a vulnerable <coughs> defense, and that means. Tommy Reese needs to call a great game, and that is Tim Priester's Aspen Mortgage Key to an Irish victory. And Tim Priester, who is this week's Aspen Mortgage Key player for the Irish? Well, I tip my hand. I think it's Braden Lindsay. He had the big run a couple of years ago, and, and and certainly all of Notre Dame's frontline receivers are going to be involved, uh, as well as the running backs. But I think Braden Lindsay's a guy with that little extra step and that little extra speed that can uh, can break a big play this weekend against USC. All right, Braden Lindsay, that is your Aspen Mortgage key Irish player this week. Aspen Mortgage, for all your mortgage needs, call 486-LOAN. And it's now time for the injury report brought to you by Indiana Physical Therapy. Your choice for physical therapy now with 21 Indiana locations. Tim, 
Where do the Irish stand health-wise this weekend? Hopefully they're going to get a big tight end back. That's where I was going to start, Phil. The best news is Michael Mayer is back working with the number one team and ready to roll. Tyler Buckner, if you remember, he sprained an ankle late in the Virginia Tech game. He should be ready to go. I think we were a little surprised to hear about Chris Tyree uh, not fully bouncing back from the, the turf toe. Game time decision is what Brian Kelly said. Uh, but, you know, Logan Diggs did some good things. And, and of course, Kyron Williams is still at the forefront. Last guy, Jacob Lacey, we saw him get hurt against Virginia Tech. It looked like it was a knee. It was actually a high ankle sprain. Brian Kelly said he practiced this week. This is one of Notre Dame's uh, nose tackles. I'll be surprised if he's ready to go based upon what we saw two weeks ago with the injury. Okay, well, good news on Mayer and Buckner. And folks, uh, turf toe is a serious injury. It can be, and it's a very tricky one to treat. Thanks, Tim. And that is the Indiana Physical Therapy Injury Report. And it's now time for the world-famous Irish Illustrated Prediction, brought to you by PolyPro. Beautiful, four times stronger than epoxy, lifetime warranty garage floors in one day. Check them out at polyprofloors.com. My wife and I love our polypro floor. Look them up on Facebook or go to polyprofloors.com. Tim Priester, Vegas says the Irish by six and a half points. That's bounced back and forth between six and a half and seven all week. What does America's foremost authority say? It certainly looks like a high scoring game. And Nordheim's defense is going to have its hands full with, with Keaton Slovis. Um, certainly Drake London. I like their running back, Keontae Ingram, who's a transfer from Texas. I, I think they have some other receivers that are capable in Taj Washington and, and Gary Bryant. So they have a lot going for them, and I, I think they'll score points. But I, I think USC is going to have an extreme, uh, extremely difficult time in defending Notre Dame's passing game and running game. I think Jack Cohn can have a big day throwing it. I think he him, between him and Buckner, I think they will – approach if not surpass the 300 yard mark and i think buckner's important because of what he can do in a read option and how readily usc will bite it at read option fake so i think they're going to run it too so i think it's high scoring and i like notre dame pulling away eventually notre dame 38 usc 27 38 to 27 in favor of the irish that is tim priester's world famous Irish Illustrated prediction. Tim, we're pretty much on the same page as usual. Uh, with Michael Mayer back and a stabilized Irish offensive line that I think will be even better because they're going to benefit from working together during the bye week. And those factors combined with the overall stability of the Irish program in contrast to the USC situation should be enough for a double-digit win. Notre Dame 34, USC 24. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Phil. Go Irish, and thanks for listening to Fighting Irish Preview. Special thanks to Jim Shovel and Brett Rump, Art Salzberg, and studio producer Adam Schenkel. Fighting Irish Preview is the copyrighted property of Judge Phil Productions.